You're listening to The Creation Academy, a weekly podcast and radio show defending the truth of God's Word and biblical creation science. I'm your host, Steve Schramm, and in this week's lesson, we're continuing our series on the importance of the Young Earth uh, Doctrine, okay? We're continuing our series on the basics of creation science. And this week we're talking about why the age of the earth is paramount to a correct theology. Paramount to a correct theology. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a doctrine in scripture or teaching is the building blocks of having what you would say a, a systematic theology. That is an understanding of the Bible from beginning to to end. Your theology is just basically your scriptural beliefs, your your whole um, your whole belief system. And I would love for there to be only one, okay? And there really is only one um, systematic theology that is accurate, yet there are many people who write their systematic theologies. There are books out there about that. Many people have written their own. And the reality is that there's only one. And the Bible itself is in the best interpretation of it, is simply the ultimate systematic theology book. That's what it is. And so that's why we Christians believe so strongly, many of us do, in taking the Bible uh, for what it says, literally, naturally. Uh, we just take the Bible and God at His Word. It's just that simple. So that's how we treat the Bible, when we're talking about any of these issues. And you'll find that many teachers of the young earth position ground themselves, or at least claim to, in scriptural authority, because that's what we're concerned with above anything else. So what does the Bible have to say about young earth creation? We talked about that last week, but this week we're going to look and see that why that doctrine is so paramount to building a correct theology and having a correct theology in what we believe about God. So let's dive in and look at that. Now, I've written a little bit more about this on my blog, okay? That's at steveschram.com, and that'll be in the show notes. And you can go to the uh, blog post, Does the Age of the Earth Matter?, or is it a secondary doctrine? That's the name of the blog post. You can search for that. You can look in my creation articles and find that. Here are just some of the doctrines in the Bible that are crucially affected by the age debate. And I've tried to list them out in a rather systematic form. And this, again, is not exhaustive, but it'll definitely show you that um, us uh, so-called young earthers or young aiders or whatever you want to label us as um, take this very seriously. And we really, really believe that, that this position has a great effect on what you believe about the Bible. So let's look at number one, uh, the nature of God, the nature of God. Look at Genesis 1, chapter 31, if you have a Bible with you. If you have one handy, Genesis 1, 31, and you can turn to these as we go to them, if you have the Bible handy. And God saw everything that he had made. Okay, this is after creation is finished. All right, creation is finished. God is looking at what he's done. And, and here's what God says. 
and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, there are many different interpretations of Genesis 1, particularly uh, Genesis 1 through 11. But let's just put uh, day age and theistic evolution, the two prominent ones other than young earth, um, on trial. Can God say, can a, can, can a good, loving God say that his creation is very good if it came at a point after millions and millions and millions of years of death, suffering, disease of the nephesh, soul animals. You look that word up, the word uh, nephesh, it, it means soulish, the soulish animals. Can God be considered a good God if he used evolution? Can God really be considered a good God if he let death and suffering and disease carry on naturally for millions and millions of years before bringing man into the world? I'm just not sure that's the case. I'm willing to be shown otherwise, but I haven't been yet. Okay? I believe that the nature of God is very seriously affected by the young age position. Okay? I really believe that this earth is going to have to be young, and creation is going to have to have been ex nihilo. That means out of nothing at the very beginning and in the very specific order that the Bible tells us in Genesis 1. How about marriage? Notice Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he had made a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now what's interesting here is that when you depart the recent creation doctrine, what you usually end up is having to mess with Adam and Eve. And you either have to put them a hundred thousand years ago, like... Uh, Hugh Ross does, or you have to put them where the theistic evolution puts them, which is where mainstream evolution puts them whenever that mark changes. Um, mainstream evolution and theistic evolutionists basically say there was no Adam and Eve, which is even a bigger problem. They say that this is all allegorical. Allegorical. Um, it's interesting. It seems that in 2017, if there's a part of the Bible that you don't really agree with, all you have to do is simply show that it's an allegorical uh, interpretation that should be used on it, and suddenly you're off the hook. But that's not faithful to Scripture, and it's not faithful to God. Marriage, the idea of marriage, Adam and Eve, one man, one woman, is most certainly affected by how old the earth is, and if God created things, how and when he said he did. How about original sin, original sin? course, we know that Eve took of the fruit, and we know that that burden was imputed upon Adam, and we know that 
Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and here it is, death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Original sin. Death coming into the world at the fall, and there being a problem for mankind. Do you believe mankind is broken? Humanity is broken? That's your answer. Romans 5.12 is your answer to that question. And I've actually written about that on my blog as well. Um, Does the punishment for sin hit the crime? Or fit the crime, excuse me. That's the name of the blog article. I'd encourage you to read that. It's an explanation of original sin. And I wrote it in such a way that it could be shared with others who maybe don't understand the idea that uh, that they're a sinner. How about number four? The law. The law is affected by recent creation in a great way, actually. Notice Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt do no work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And that plural word, like we talked about last week, yamim, okay, that's what's used for the plural word days, okay, right there in Exodus 20, um, verses 8 through 11, when the word days is used, okay, days is yamim, okay, that is never, ever, ever used with long periods of time, just 24-hour literal days. Six days shalt thou labor and do thy work. That was the law. The Ten Commandments were being written. That was the finger of God. How about number five, the deity of Christ? Notice this. Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So God cannot lie. Well, how about this? We believe that God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. Notice John 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 3 says, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus is the God who made the universe, and He is literally the very Word, okay, the Word of God. But notice this, 14, And the Word was made flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the deity of Christ right there. God was at creation. And notice what he says in Mark 10, 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. That means God made them from the beginning of the creation. They were there. They were there in the beginning. During that week, could he say that? If he created them millions and millions and millions of years afterward, wouldn't that be a little deceitful? If he means something different than he plainly says right there? No. The deity of Christ is definitely affected. If Jesus is God, then Jesus does not lie. And Jesus is not lying about creation. How about salvation? That's a pretty important doctrine, I suppose. 
Salvation, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Do you see that? Adam, Adam brought death. As in Adam all die, man came death, but also by man came the resurrection of the dead. If we mess with Adam, we mess with salvation. If we mess with original sin that we talked about a few moments ago, we mess with salvation. The only reason that salvation and redemption makes sense is because of how the Bible starts out in the beginning. It's so important. And finally, scriptural inerrancy. Now, in a way, everything we've talked about, these past six points, have been building that case for scriptural inerrancy. That's why we believe uh, the recent creation doctrine is so important to that. But just notice this, Hebrews 3, 11, 3, excuse me, Hebrews 11, verse 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. We understand that God just spoke it into existence. Okay, God didn't have to use evolutionary processes. His word precludes that. Okay, he just spoke it. Psalm 33, 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, for he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. He spake, and it was done. It There was not millions of years. It was recent. It was by the word of his mouth. It was instant for all intents and purposes. God has a purpose behind creation, and he told us exactly how he did it in his word. And on this basis, we must not sacrifice correct theology just to line the Bible up with evolutionary ages. There's no reason to do it. God told us exactly how things need to be in his word. And the whole point of this podcast is that science confirms it. So science is not a problem. If science is not a problem, why not just read the scripture as it says? Here's what Dr. Henry Morris has to say about it. You know, he's the father of the recent creationism movement. Even if one does not accept the Bible as the inerrant word of God, which they should, the concept of a personal, all-powerful, all-knowing, loving God is fatally flawed by the old earth dogma. And I'll add that means theistic evolution, day, age, progressive, whatever you want to say. Thank you so much for listening this week on the Creation Academy. Father, we love you. And pray that you would just bless our time together now. Give us a great week together as we see each other next week, Lord. And uh, just help us to proclaim your word and proclaim your name to others. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.